not all Muslims want to kill you. The terrorists that carried out the atrocities 10 years ago this morning were driven by a destructive belief system. We have ideas that personal theology does not matter, but it really has public consequences. How shall we respond? Number one, with realism. There is so much spin on everything that we get in the media, it seems to me. Some of you will remember the term credibility gap. Does that, have you ever heard that before? Just hold your hand up. You don't have to give anything. I just want to see. Now, a credibility gap by definition is the difference between what uh, the various media report about a certain thing and what we believe. And of course, if it's just you, it's what you believe. So this space in here, they say this, you believe this, that's the credibility gap. I had one of those before the term was coined. I started in 1960 doing a study of, of um, we were in the middle of the Cold War. Communism was going to take the world. That was, uh, one of the leaders of the USSR came to the United Nations and took his shoe off and pounded on his desk and, say, we will b-, and said, we will bury you. He was a real champ. By the way, he's dead. And I'm not, so there. Anyway, uh, I didn't bury him, but uh, he didn't bury me. They, in that, in that era, in that setting, I started studying the various uh, economic systems. And uh, it was the coolest thing in the world in our academic institutions in this country to believe that Socialism, a.k.a. communism, was the way to be. And in the meantime, we were spending these incredible amounts of money to, to position ourselves as a nation in case we were attacked to make our attacker wish that he hadn't. And so it would, there is this, there's this great confusion and this great contradiction going on. And uh, it, was, it was an interesting time. I made a study of the small government, free market, uh, large government. We had, we had the model that seemed so powerful in the USSR and uh, seemed to be unstoppable Of course, they were killing tens of millions of people to make sure that this thing stayed in place, but we didn't talk much about that. Uh, Those of us who were just so enamored with with big government and everybody being managed, and by the way, there are several things you need to know about big government and the socialistic thing is, first of all, there is no God. Uh, Secondly, there is a spark of good in everyone, and if we can just get rid of all of the influences of class, and those kinds of distinction, if, if race, 
uh, racial issues or dis- uh, those kinds of, if we just get rid of all of that, everybody will just get up every morning and just go to, uh, go to work with great joy for the good of the whole. Now, it did not work in the USSR. They had to give little plots of land to their farmers who were, who were farming these vast co- uh, cooperatives, uh, these communes, as it were. They, and, and almost all of the food that they produced came off these little plots that the farmers could, could have a little bit of a free enterprise, free market system. You didn't know that, did you? That, that was, that's in there. If you study really deeply, dig it out. That's what was feeding Russia and the satellite nations during those years. Uh, we, we who do not believe in socialism, you don't have to believe in a free market or anything like that to just know this. God says, your heart is deceitfully, it, it is just exceedingly deceitful. It's wicked beyond imagination. And if I can get you to get up cheerfully and go to work and support me, I will cheerfully stay in bed. And that's the human condition. And any system that does not figure that in is not going to succeed. And that's the reason it is it is really, really hurtful to people to put them in a position where they are dependent on a dole of some kind. And when you become dependent on that, if, you, if anybody messes with that, a whole system that will just lie to you. They don't mind it. It's okay with them. Uh, in our journalism schools back a generation ago, it, it became the thing that was taught that Journalism is not based on actual fact, a.k.a. truth. It is based on what people need to know so they can be moved along in this political agenda. You don't believe that. Why then do we have the media, the various media, to a significant extent telling us stories that are quite a bit different from what actually happened. And, of course, the cool thing is to be like Pontius Pilate. What is truth? Well, that's just the way you believe. That's the way you see it. Now, it it doesn't really matter how I see it, but if we're talking about stuff that will change the way we live, then I need to know the stuff pretty closely connected to the facts. And I'm very, very rigid in the way I define the word fact. That's what really happened, what actually happened. And uh, there is a popular uh, news slash talk show on TV that's called, that, that the, the subtitle is The No Spin Zone. Now, that would be nice. I, I don't particularly have anything to throw at the, at the leader of that and, and at the uh, editors of that show, but I don't guess I think there's any place where there's not some spin. And I think uh, I remember when I was reading Newsweek magazine from cover to cover every week, and I was reading the editorial page every day of 
of a very strong uh, small government free market kind of uh, newspaper. And, the, and many times when they would be telling the same story, the only similarity would be the names and places. You would not recognize the same story. And that's when I got the credibility gap before there was a credibility gap. All of that to say, we need to just deal with facts as if we are big people. These are the facts as best we can gather them together. Uh, it would be nice if the, the instant communication that we have through the uh, through cyberspace and the various social media and all of that stuff, it would be nice if that were unspun. But if I think it's a certain way, I may just spin it before I put it on whatever particular social media that I'm using. So we get this from the we get this from uh, President Bush, President Obama. Uh, Islam is a, is, a, is a religion of peace, and it never has been. Muhammad is the DNA of Islam. He was violent from the word go. He planned at least 65 battles, raids, exposition. He, okay, and here is the deal. We need to be able to face the fact that there are huge chunks of Islam that do want to kill you. Face that fact. You don't think that's a fact? I've got some real estate we should talk about. It's in the southeast part of the U.S. It's, on, it's in a swamp, but it's actually on, on a beach, and you'd love it. And if you've got any money, we need to talk. Pardon that sarcasm. Isn't that rude? But you see, I don't, I don't have respect for us if we can realize what happened 10 years ago this morning and, and then say, there, there's not a danger out there. You see, we didn't come to terms as, as a nation, uh, at least officially we didn't come to terms. We had been having attacks 10 years before that. There had been an attack on that very location in New York City in Manhattan. We had lost the USS or Cole or lost a bunch of lives there. We had lost some uh, lives at embassies around the world. Same bunch of people. They were just practicing on us. And so 9-11 came and suddenly it was undeniable. We are at war with people who claim to be that feeling of security that we love was lost. And a lot of people, after the passage of time and when they were able to do this mentally, just put that all back into their denial system and everything is fine. And if we have a problem, it's all Israel's fault or it's all George Bush's fault or, or who, whomever it is we would like to blame. Do not do that. Don't deny the facts. We must deal with realism. There are people who would be glad to take you out in the name of God. By the way, Allah is the name for God in Arabic. It's, 
the, the God that they serve is certainly not the God that we know, but, but Arab, Arabic people who pray in Arabic use Allah in speaking to the God of the universe because that's the word in Arabic for God. But we need to understand that that's a real deal. The second thing we need to understand is that there are spiritual realities involved. Our instructions are clear. The other night, Dennis was preaching, and uh, he was talking about Christianity and and, uh, other forces that would like to take Christianity out. And, And I wish I had gotten the exact quote, but he said something like, Christianity is weak. We say, love your enemies and forgive them. And then he just dropped this thing. It was the coolest thing. He said, and we win. Now understand that. Obviously, this is a spiritual thing because you can't win in the flesh by by backing down and backing down. There are people who will kill you. But the spiritual reality is, Jesus said, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor but hate your enemy, but I tell you, Okay, that was, the, that was the world. Love your friend, hate enemy. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Now, that sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. I'm saying there are people who want to kill you. Love them. Now, the sales pitch is not over yet, so don't. Don't completely close your mind. And uh, the Apostle Paul picked up a line from the Old Testament in Romans 12. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So here is the deal. I want us to be realistic. There is danger There is danger. There are thousands and thousands of people who would cheerfully give themselves in death to be able to take you out. Now, that's hard for us to comprehend. It's like, what? I mean, I may want to hurt you, but I don't want to hurt me in the process, okay? But these people have been taught in this defective religious system that is, that is extant inside Islam, these people have been taught that that's the, that's the straight path to heaven. The only ones who we know for sure are going to go to heaven are the ones who die in jihad. And it's like, there's all kinds of jokes. I'm sorry, I'm being flooded with all of these jokes. I'm not going to tell you. But... Uh, there's, there's all of this reward. There are these, this incredible life in heaven for those people who will die in the holy war called jihad. What shall we do about that? Well, first of all, pride will take you out, man. I wish they'd have said the power of humility because humility is where we bring ourselves under the mighty hand of God who will 
at the proper time, lift us up. And it's like Pastor Dennis said, you can forgive and you can love your enemies and it appears so weak, but you win. You win. Still sounds like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Well, give me time. I may confirm that I am. I don't know, but I'm going to try not to. Here is the question. Do we have the faith to move into obedience? Do we have the faith to say, these people want to kill me. God, help me to love them, to pray for them, to stand in the gap for them, to make sure that they are saved. And of course, the, the, the picture that comes to mind in that kind of a setting is Jesus being nailed to the cross. And he prays one of his last prayers, Father, forgive them. Wow. The Lord de dealt with me on this forgiveness issue a number of years ago because uh, when Yasser Arafat came into power, well, they, they started spinning these incredible lies about Israel, and Israel is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, nor are they righteous. Those that are not, they're, are not. They're just as unrighteous as you, maybe even more, if that's possible. And I didn't like Yasser Arafat. I, I didn't like what he stood for. I didn't like what he said. And I thought it was ugly. And you can read anything in that, into that you want. That's just what I thought. And so I said, uh, Lord. Actually, I didn't say anything about this to the Lord. He says something to me. You're going to have to deal with this. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring up this picture of old pretty boy in my face. And say, God, in the name of Jesus, I forgive him. Not in this life. Unless there is a Holy Spirit. And so I learned to humble myself a little bit and say, God, there's not any way I'm going to do this. I don't like him. I don't like what he stands for. I don't like the way he looks. Lord knew how I felt. There's no need to lie to God. But he worked me through that. And by the power of his spirit, I was able to pray for that man. And the Lord wouldn't let up the pressure on me until I was praying for him similarly to the way I pray for myself. And I do a good job. I'd love to hate him because he's a jerk or whatever. But don't hate him because in the first place, now you're taking him on as an enemy and you have to love your enemies. Now you can avoid this stuff if you just don't take them on as enemies, but it's probably too late. Here is, the, here is our problem. Muslims do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross. The Koran is clear, and it, it makes a categorical rejection of the divinity and crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that reveals its demonic origins. It shows how distant in truth it re really is from Christianity. By the way, in, in our inimitable fashion... As, as politically correct folk, we are now trying to marry Islam 
and Christianity, it's called Chrislam. And it's dumber than its name. Because Islam is totally separate and opposed to Christianity. Christianity is predicated upon Jesus is the Son of God, lived a perfect life, died an atoning death carrying my sin and yours, rose from the dead, and will reign. Now, if you ask a Muslim for bad purposes, and, they, and I watched this response, oh, yes, and they just got all excited, more, much more excited than the witness was. And needless to say, that kind of shut down the, the conversation. But they don't believe in the Jesus that we believe in. They don't believe anything about him that we believe that is important. And so don't, don't marry Christianity and it's the antithesis of it. Just don't do that. That is really, really intellectually dishonest. That's far, far from being realistic. The spiritual realities are we have to love our enemies. We have to pray for those who persecute us. We have to feed the enemy if he's hungry. Don't you wish you hadn't picked him up as an enemy? But since you did, let's go forward. And this brings us to where our realism moves completely into faith even more than what we're talking about here, and that is that we win. I, I, still, I still am thrilled when I was sitting right back there, and Dennis was standing right down here, and he said what he did, and he said, and we win, after painting us so weakly. Well, he's looking for that. And when you identify that, with that, and when you get hold of the facts of God and his plan for a fifth of the world's population, the, the world of Islam in the earth today, God's plan is that they be saved. One of the things that I had, to, I, I found myself saying to try to get in, into harmony with praying for Yasser Arafat in my little rebellion thing, my little fleshly love to hate. Jesus died for him. He deserves better than for Arafat going to hell. Now, I was okay at per, with, with Arafat going to hell back then. It was just all right. The sooner the better. Are represented in this room this morning. So you can kind of ease off on God is doing something really weird because he's forgiving those people. If he gets a chance, he forgave you. He forgave me. Hallelujah. That sort of sets it up then so that we can say, okay, okay. I can't do this in my own strength. This is larger than I am. God, if you do it, it'll happen. If you don't, I'm just going to be wallowing around in this mess that I have created in my anger and my resentment. But you see, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, then the end will come. 
when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. So the one that in apparent weakness that's going to reign. It looked weak, didn't it? Didn't that look awful to you? It's like uh, Jesus hanging on the cross. Now, Jesus is not on the cross, but he was. And that really looks weak. He looked a lot worse than the normal crucifix shows him. But that's not the way he is today. That's not the way he is today. There is the day coming. They will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them. Because he is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. When Eunice and I sat at the dinner table two or three weeks, four five weeks ago now in uh, Phoenix with this guy from Baghdad who was, was a pastor there and had spent this time in prison. It's been awful around the world. But you know what? When, you, when the Christian dies here, he goes straight to be with Jesus. And if you haven't read it, you need to read one of those books of those guys that went to heaven and then came back and told. It'll encourage your heart, and it's like, well, uh, that's pretty good. If I could get out of here without any pain and my family could kind of be taken care of, it might be nice to be there. Because it's, it's so far above what we can even imagine, and I believe that. But the thing is, whether that man from Baghdad, Pastor Jules, whether he lives or dies, it's for the glory of the Lord. Now, this is what Jesus was about. He was being crucified in, in apparent weakness. And if you, if you want to picture him, this is, this is the greatest power demonstration perhaps that we have seen is when someone who is truly human and is so committed to the will of God, though he is fully God, that he had that under wraps. He did not rely upon that. If he wanted to, he could have called the legions of angels to gotten him out of that scrape. Instead, he rebuked Peter when Peter started to resist this whole business with his sword. That's the same Peter who was rebuking him when he announced that he was going to suffer and die, be crucified, and when Peter rebuked him, which would have escaped. He got that weakness put down and he said, no, 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 not mine, yours be done. That's power. And I'm calling us today to the power that will look at the realism, look at the possibility of death, look at the horrible negative plans and say, no, no. And then say, wait, wait, your will be done. And if that bad needs to happen to me, you just walk with me because I have seen the demonstration of that power in the person of your only begotten son. And if you did it in him, you can do it in me.
Folks, I don't want to die. I don't want to suffer. I'm the guy that resents the fact that my body will not tolerate aspirin because I used to just eat them. If I got a little pain, aspirin. And it causes holes in my belly and I bleed. So I don't do aspirin anymore. And I, I'm, the, I'm the wimp. Only, it's not who we are. That's not the issue. Who is this that's in us? Who is this all over the United States? And yes, if they could, they would take us out. Because you don't have to say yes to that if you don't believe it. I believe that. And you know what my believing that has to do with anything? Nothing that I can find. It just gives me a greater motivation to say, I must humble myself and get in the will of God. Because if it's really that bad, that's probably an indication that time is really short. Really short. And I have works yet to do. And I want to get them done. I want them to be finished when this thing winds up. And I'm looking around for something more to do just before the Lord comes. And there's not anything to do. It's done. You say, there'll always be people to win. Uh, stay with me. <laughs> of course, there'll always be people to win. But I want us to be fully uh, satisfied in the eyes of God that our stuff is done. And so the call... As, as different speeches and, and things are done today in the memory of the, the awful carnage that, that was caused, the thousands of lives that were lost. And you know what that has to do with anything? Nothing that I can connect. Because it's not a matter of who did it. It's a matter of the need. And if it's Islamic uh, connections that did it or whatever, we need to be winning them to Jesus. We're the only ones with the answer. We are the strong ones. We are strong enough to forgive our enemies and love them. That's the power of humility. And that's what God is calling us today. Are you, are you there? Are you ready for this? If you want a little, little light touch of religion, you know, it's kind of like need Jesus in my life. Life goes better with Jesus. This may not be the best era for you because we, the little gamey stuff is over, folks. We have lost people. They're going to bust. Now, this is, the, this is what they taught me in seminary. They're going to bust the bottom out of hell. That's the way you say it. They're going straight to hell. They will not pass go. They will not collect $200. They're lost. Who has the answer? Who is in relationship with them already? Who already knows them? Who already has some influence? Who sees them every day or at least more than once a week? That's exciting. You know that? That's the will of God. God is pulling us together to move forward in a way that is just, it's just remarkable. It's wonderful. And if you disagree with all of my political stuff and all of my stuff about Islam, you probably agree with the fact that the 
that the Islamists, the Muslims, and uh, the people around you that are not saved are going to hell. You probably, be, we're pretty conservative theologically, and that's what the Bible teaches, so we probably all believe that. So it really doesn't matter what you believe about Islam. It matters what you believe about Jesus Christ, and he says, as the Father sent me, so send I you. May we pray. Father, it is so exciting.